Hey, welcome to Bo Knows Health, and I am lucky enough to be joined on this episode number 116 with Danny Mata, and uh, he is an all-around PT superstar. Uh, he wrote a book called F Insurance, and I'm not going to say the what the whole F word stands for. I think we know, um, just so it doesn't throw off the explicit rating here, but uh, he's also done a ton of stuff, and he is working with PT Biz, or that's his business. He used to work with uh, Dr. Kelly Starrett, who I've had on before, and Juliet Starrett with the Mobility WAD project and their movement and mobility seminars. Uh, I had on Dr. Nate, I always want to say Nate Silver, uh, but Nate Henry, who taught my dry needling course here in Colorado. Uh, He works with him in the PT Biz game, uh, helping cash-based physical therapists get better at uh, running those businesses and just elevate the field in the organic grassroots kind of way that we're seeing. I've gotten a lot of great insights from him and I can't wait for you guys to check out this interview. Uh, We tried to avoid some of the the topics I've heard him talk about on every other podcast that I've heard him on. He has his own great podcast. So without further ado, uh, please go like, share, subscribe, and now to the interview with Danny Mata. Oh, okay, cool. I was cleaning up a bunch of stuff. Oh, no. Yeah, there we are. We are live. All right, here we are. So Mount Crushmore Lettuce. Yeah. That was the walkout song. It, it does remind me of, uh, what's his name? The the Mets closer. A little bit of that trumpet. A little bit. A little bit. It does. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's a pretty badass like, walk. The thing is, if it, somebody's playing that live, like what they did, that the one dude who was playing the trumpet live, like, yeah. That was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that that gives a little bit of a special edge. I still think I'm a Yankees fan. I got my stripes on. You got your yeah. Brave stuff on. Um, but I do think Mariano Rivera's Enter Sandman is still sure. still going to – I might be a little biased. Uh, hey, the, I agree. That That's pretty hard to beat. It was pretty good. But uh, we are here, Bono's Health. Uh, that's me. And I'd like to learn more stuff, and I try to find the best people I can. And Danny Matei, not Mata, don't say it wrong. Um, we've had a few, we've had a few pronunciation ones recently with Kariana Anthes, uh, was, was a tough one that everyone gets wrong. If you know her from the CrossFit space. Um, so anyway, Danny is joining us from Atlanta. He's got his brave shirt on. Um, and the Mets and the, uh, Braves are in a little bit of a pennant race as we're recording this. Yeah. So as we were just talking about your, you guys are one game back, but I'm, I'm kind of rooting for you, even though I'm a New Yorker, but those Mets fans, man, they piss me off sometimes. Yeah, for real. I mean, if it comes down to, yeah, it's, it's us or the Mets, you probably pick uh, us. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I have uh, honestly, one of my best memories, unfortunately for you is, is beating you guys in 1996. Yeah. Uh, as uh, you know, that was a pretty incredible series. I can pr- pretty much go like, um, not play by play, but like, you know, losing the first two games in New York, in the Bronx, and then going and, and winning all three in Atlanta against yeah. possibly the best uh possibly in all-time baseball history the, the best three pitcher rotation yeah. uh which we were I mean, we were pretty happy about um <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah just watching that jeter uh documentary that just came out i don't know if you can watch that because again it kind of spends a lot I of time oh yeah it spends a lot of time you know talking that, that's that's a big part of his rise um so yeah anyway but uh yeah again i've, I've got a, a decent amount of braves friends that uh you know i i kind of like the chop i don't know if you guys are going to get uh if the indians had to get rid of their stuff and and a lot of good question it's a good question i think uh i don't know man you know it's um 
it's definitely, it's hard to say like what's appropriate and what's not, you know, it, it, it really is. But I think the thing with the Braves that's interesting is, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the, one of the most, if not the most isolated sports franchises in the entire country, because if you really think about the next closest baseball team, um, there's nothing really that close to us, right? I mean, you got to go down into Florida or all the way over to Tampa, Tampa or would it be that? Yeah. Tampa. yeah so we, so we pull in all yeah. kinds of other states similar, uh, in, similar to denver here yeah yeah exactly right so so it, i think the reason they have such a strong fan base big fan base is also just proximity wise mm -hmm. uh you know if you're in tennessee eh, the braves are your team right you're in alabama it's it's yeah. that's, that's usually who you're going for makes sense makes sense yeah well uh, the seminoles also florida state well they were able to keep theirs because they're actually like with the tribe i think in yeah. in uh tallahassee i think they're in but yep. yeah, it's 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 been interesting. Syracuse had to get rid of Orange Men, just they're the Orange. Uh, the Red Storm, St. John's, uh, just became I think the Storm or Red. <laughs> hmm. um, but I don't know. Com the Commanders and the Guardians. I don't know if I'm going to get used to that anytime soon. But it, right. it is what it is. Uh, yeah, hopefully there's some progress going on there. But yeah. Um, so back to physical therapy. Um, <laughs> as much as I can talk sports all day, appreciate you being out here. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar with Danny. Uh, this is his special book. And as we were just talking about parental advisory, uh, this, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, he's, he's had to redo the version. This is from 2019. I believe I was one of the first like hundred people to get that book. Um, oh, awesome. I'd like to think, uh, <laughs> I remember seeing, it. I was like, yes, yes, we need more <laughs> of this. Um, and so, you know, I, I definitely helped to, to put, I think the, the curse word on there. Um, but yes. yes, I can understand how that's not helping, uh, Amazon algorithms and all that stuff and, and their regulations. And, <laughs> But you know, I, I will say this, right? When we I wrote the book, I wanted it to look like like a like a ninety CD mm -hmm. your parents didn't want you buying, right? Right, and and uh, it was very intentional for us to name what we did, and and to be to be fair, I feel like the right person's going to want to buy that book. Mm -hmm. That's why that's why we kind of titled it the way that we did. We we are updating it though. It won't, the the new version won't come out until. It probably won't be until like November or December of this year as you know, have to go back through the entire, it's basically a, a, new, a new book. So to go back through the publishing process and, and all of that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'll tell you what, man, like writing a book is an interesting thing. It is one of the harder things I've ever done, but also one of the things that I'm more proud of because of just um, how much time and effort it takes to really see that through. And, and also for honestly, how many people that, that's actually helped. Like I get messages all the time with people that have used that book to start a practice and grow their practice. And, um, for something that costs like, you know, less than 20 bucks or right. whatever, I don't you know what, what, what even <laughs> it's like, it's like, I mean, and the amount of information you can get from that that's organized is just like the ROI. If you do it is, is pretty massive. Totally. Yeah. My wife just uh, published her first book and I feel like I need to live nice. up. Uh, it's about, uh, Sexual health. She's a sex and relationship therapist for, for, for listeners. They probably know that one. And if you, if you're doing a new version of this, by the way, wh when I read books, I, I take little notes on little, uh, errors that I find. So if you need a little, uh, copy editing, I do have two, at least two, only two, which is surprising for a whole book. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't yeah. have that cause we have an editor, you know, like we, well, so, a couple honestly, times. yeah, my wife went through that too. Cause I was starting to read her book and I was like, Hey, like this is wrong. And she's like, what? And she literally was able to look at what she sent to the editor 
um, and it did not have that mistake. And for whatever reason, because oh. of some, I don't know how that happens. And maybe it's the editor, maybe it's, and again, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, stuff, stuff does happen. And sometimes I, there's been textbooks and, and we're both physical therapists. So there was definitely stuff when I was in school, I picked this habit up when I was reading boring textbooks that I had no other interest in. Um, <laughs> and it was just like, sure. I have to read this to, to pass a test. And, and, uh, yeah, I was just like, Oh, noticing some errors here. I would literally reach out to some of the, uh, companies and uh, one or two of them were like oh thank you for pointing that out you just saved us a bunch of like editing issues so here's a free like new copy of the the newest textbook which maybe i was able to resell i don't know but anyway <laughs> um but yeah exciting you guys are coming out with the new thing and, and yeah the bigger thing uh, i want to shout out for anyone not familiar with danny and this cash based thing that we talk about and again i had one of his classmates um who now works with you uh nate henry uh, who is based out of Colorado Springs here and, and a military guy as well. Um, and Danny's a military guy. Uh, and I've had a lot of military people on the show. I was looking back and I was like, wow, I've, I've, uh, I've had a, a lot uh, from, and you also worked with Teresa Larson um, through the mobility. She's um, the best. Yeah. And she's, she's Coloradan now. She's about yeah. six hours away from me though, uh, <laughs> down in Durango, but we did meet up. She was passing through here doing some FBI training course in uh just outside of denver west denver and uh we went for a little hike and, and caught up so yeah she's awesome um yeah so i've had a bunch of, of military folks on here i always want to uh appreciate the service and and uh you know something i would have probably done at some point but just never never found my way there not that you know that's a whole thing um i i assume you look and and you have to publicly say you look fondly on your time in the military i've you heard you talk about it many times but 100 percent, man you know um it's interesting. There's a lot of us in the physical therapy community, I would say, just because the um, the environment in the military is very different than the, the civilian landscape as far as autonomy is concerned and the things that we're able to do. Right. So um, it's a attractive place to be a clinician because you get far more um, uh, responsibility, but also it's an environment in which there's a lot of different roles that you can take that um, are pretty interesting. S some of them are what you would think, right? Like a hospital outpatient clinic uh, or like a satellite ortho, mainly sports ortho clinic, uh, which, which are some of the, um, some of the main kind of roles that they fulfill. But uh, it, as a physical therapist in the army, you can do many things, right? You can be attached to a infantry brigade, like what happened with me, where, you know, you're just sort of dropped into a group of 3,500 or so soldiers. And they're just like, figure it out. Like you're in charge of injury prevention, human performance and, and, uh, you know, injury treatment. And now it's a little different. There's more resources around, uh, that job than whenever, you know, whenever I took it, because it was just a pretty new position, but you can, you can get, you know, set up into, research roles you can go and get your phd and you can teach at at baylor you can you can do research for the army on injury prevent injury prevention biomechanics like the amount of information and the amount of things i got exposed to even on this on the side of like um amputee rehab like re th think about this like high level return to sport amputee rehab that's not that common in a civilian setting like i don't really know too many people that have kind of gone that path. Mm -hmm. But for me, you know, being able to see that and be be able to be a part of collecting research on that and like, you know, helping people get back to running after they've lost a leg, like it's just uh there's a lot of cool things you can do and there's a lot of just options within the within the military. So I think you see a lot of people that gravitate towards that. And the other thing I think that happens is we have so much responsibility early on 
that it's not really intimidating for us to take on leadership positions when we get out. Mm -hmm. um, we feel very competent with our skill set. We feel very confident in our leadership role. Um, so I think you see a lot of military guys and uh, men and women that come out of the um, out of the, the service uh, uh, area with, within the military that do well within private sector because of some of these other intangible you know skills. And and it's to date, you know, the most fun job I've had as a physical therapist, hands down, was when I was in the army. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, and and it's two two things come out of that for me is one, uh, just moving to Colorado. Uh, having previously practiced in New York and California, two of the more restrictive yeah. practice law states. So I couldn't dry needle. I couldn't order imaging. I couldn't order blood work. I can do all of that here, which is similar to. Yeah, that's military. very similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot more autonomy as you're talking about and responsibility as well. Um, so, and I do think the, the imaging ability radiographs is getting spread out through more states. Uh, another yeah. uh, military guy, if you know him, Lance Mabry, I believe, uh, oh, nice. I've had him on here. Uh, he's a big advocate for uh, getting imaging for physical therapists and making sure they're utilizing it properly and really being clear about, uh, you know, there's myths, I would say, about overutilization versus underutilization and proper utilization. So uh, it's an interesting thing. And I don't know if you found that uh, or within the military, if that's something that they would release of, <laughs> I assume, because of the nature of, of uh, the, the busyness and just everything going on, it's yeah. probably being pretty accurately utilized, I would imagine. Well, I mean, so I think to your, to your point, like it, it's a very useful tool, but uh, the the difference I think for the military is we get a lot of training on primary care mm -hmm. um, aspects of being a clinician because in many settings we may be, you know, let's say we're in a deployed environment or we're in an environment we're in a training environment or something, you know, it's just like us and a PA typically and some medics. So a, a brigade surgeon, you only have one. So there's one surgeon, there's one physical therapist, there's one behavioral health guy. At least this is how it's set up whenever I was there, right? right? And then you had a you had a PA per battalion. So that's like per 600 people or so. Mm -hmm. And then you have medics that sort of trickle down from there. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, I think that I think the education component of what what imaging do you need, as well as we are not radiologists. Mm -hmm. um, so you know if 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 we are looking at something it should be you know we, like, we need to also know what we don't know i think that's just as important and uh understanding the continuum of where people flow up and down you know is i, I think the military does probably the best job that i've seen with that and uh, one of the best examples would be like a troop medical clinic right so if you go to a troop medical clinic it's basically like a very small hospital and they have like physical therapies over here behavioral health's over here you got your primary cares over here you know you you have all these these um these providers that are almost in this like wheel uh, and in the center, you have the administrative providers that are putting people into the right places uh, along with medics. And, but it was very easy for us to say like, Oh, okay. Like I had a guy that came in with a testicular torsion one time mm. and, and I go, all right, bro, this isn't my wheelhouse. <laughs> We're going to walk over to the PA. I'm going to walk mm -hmm. you across the, like the hallway and I'm going to knock on his door. I'm going to say, hey, here's what I got right now. This is a priority for you to take a look at. And and so we can have that continuum and they can walk somebody over to me because like, I don't know, this guy showed up at my office, but he's got an ankle sprain. Like he needs to be over here with you. So mm -hmm. we all had like our own unique sort of knowledge base, depth of knowledge, but a gray area that we all kind of lived within that we knew where they needed to go somewhere else. And there were no egos and there was no reimbursement involved. Right. That's the other thing, right? So you have this sort of, you know, 
it's just utopia, I guess, in a mm -hmm. way of socialized medicine, which, which has <laughs> benefits and its negatives for sure. Mm -hmm. But in those scenarios, it's just like, we're just all trying to do our job. Don't really care volume, whatever. Um, so I, I think there's some benefit to that, but, but, but the, the true benefit is understanding and having a healthy respect for the fact that things can come and show up as symptoms at, that are musculoskeletal that are not actually musculoskeletal. Mm -hmm. And you need to know where your skill set limitations are to be able to effectively utilize things like imaging and blood work. And, you know, so I, I think along with that needs to come a lot, a lot of training, frankly, um, that I don't think that a lot of civilian schools really train anybody on because they don't have any need for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd like to say I've done a ton of training on all those things and how to utilize that. And it's a, a system I believed in. And again, being able to see the military system from afar, uh, I'm always surprised that we can't use that example right. as I, I realize it's out of necessity and maybe the outcome metrics aren't there that we need, but like, it seems like it's going to decrease utilization of the entire medical system. It's going to save money. It's going to save the client, yeah. the patient, uh, all sorts of stuff. So I do think there's tons to be learned there. And so I appreciate you sharing all that uh, with us and, and uh, I'll highlight uh, you, on your podcast, um, the PT Entrepreneur Podcast. Is that is that the title? I, I want right. to get that right. Yeah, yep. PT Entrepreneur Podcast. Entrepreneur, as I think I've heard you allude to a few times, it's very difficult to spell. Um, <laughs> no matter how smart you are, or say entrepreneur. Um, but uh, you recently talked about uh, calling yourself a human body consultant, or we should all be <laughs> human body consultants. And that's something I, I just want to again. Anyone who's listened to my episodes, I've always kind of grappled. I've used the term health quarterback, where I can say, "Hey, like, like that. yeah, you, you're a woman. You have pelvic." Uh, you have back pain, like you need to go see a pelvic health PT. Again, as a student, I was like, I should learn to do that, but that's going to lead to trouble in many different ways. Yeah. Um, I see what's coming. But at the same time, I was like, that's very necessary. I'm happy to refer out for that. Uh, I'm happy to say, hey, go do this blood work. Go check out with this functional medicine doc. Um, you know, I do some yeah. nutritional stuff and all that. But yeah, health quarterback. The other term I've used is physical retirement specialist. Yeah. Um, and again, that doesn't seem to resonate. But your story was interesting because it was a patient. Um, who actually said, Hey, you're, you are a human body consultant. Like that's what you do. That's who you are. And, um, I did have on, on the podcast, uh, they work with special warfare, I believe, and they're, they're human performance specialists. So I think that's a term used in the military is human performance. Right. right? And is, is, is that something I'm, I'm always curious why that also hasn't made it into kind of mainstream. And I, I feel weird using that if it's like a military thing. Um, so I don't know your experience no, with that really. term. Yeah, you know, and for me, <clears throat> what you're referencing with the the idea of like being a human body consultant, really, it came, yeah, it came from uh, just not really knowing how to tell people what I did, yeah, you know, and mm -hmm. explain it in a in a way that would make sense to them. And yeah, for me, I was I was at the time I was working for Kelly Stretch Group, and I was the tactical director for um, Mobility Wad, which is Ready State now. So I was actually at um, I was at a like a small base that's close to Fort Bragg, uh, teaching a, um, teaching a course for air force PJs and air force PJs have like, people don't know what the hell they are. Uh, most people have never even heard of an air force PJ and they're, they're very elite. Like they are a, a part of the special operations community. They're really souped up medics that have a lot to do with like, um, recovery of people that are downed, uh, you know, whether it be like, uh, pilots or rescue missions. Um, and, but they have very, very high level medical training as well. So they're this unique combination. And I was sort of the, I had this guy explaining how he was frustrated about like his family didn't really know what he did. It's like hard to, like everybody's heard of like a Navy SEAL, right? And they're like, oh, cool. That's awesome. But if you say Air Force PJ, they're like, what the hell is that? 
And uh, so you run around in your pajamas, right? Exactly. Yeah. PJ (laughs) just doesn't sound as cool. So, and I was like, man, I'm having the same problem. And he, 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 so he told me, he was like, dude, you're a human body consultant. It's that simple. Like you're over here talking to us about, um, cause I'm there talking about sleep. I'm talking Mm -hmm. to them about stress management. I'm talking about, you know, just basic stuff with like nutrition, mainly there to talk about movement and how to, how to be more efficient with that. And I think for, as a profession, maybe not everybody falls in this, but I think you, you do. And, and the way you treat and the way many people like you and I would treat with this, uh, well-rounded sort of approach of wanting to check these variables for would you use the term people. holistic. Yeah, sure. I mean, you could, <laughs> like, that never really resonated with me. I, when yeah. I think holistic, I think somebody like holding a crystal in their mm. hand, right. You know, and like, not, not to say, Hey, maybe you're into crystals. I don't know. But like, for me, I just it, always it's a thing like, here in Boulder. No, yeah, I believe okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but for, but for me, dude, that just never really resonated with me. And, you know, I just, you know, just my approach is just a, a lot more, um, I, it's, I, I enjoy the evidence side of things. I, I like having conversations of, about, you know, human performance and how those can blend across a spectrum for somebody that maybe is just trying to be a healthy parent and keep with their kids versus, or somebody that's legitimately in a special operations community that's trying to prolong their career or make sure when they're done with their career, they're able to enjoy their life afterward, which a lot of these guys carry a shitload of scars, you know, just physical, mental problems um, that come out of those environments and cause they've done crazy shit for a long period of time. So, you know, I I've always just sort of gravitated towards trying to educate people and consult with people instead of like, Hey, come so I can fix you. Mm-hmm. I come here every week so I can fix you. It's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to help upgrade your own knowledge base in these areas. Cause that's not what you do for a living. Right. And we don't need to go super deep everywhere. We got to do the 80, 20 principle and give you the, the information that, is most pertinent to the things that you're trying to improve. Right. And, and so that's where that comes from. And I think there's a lot of us out there a lot more than there used to be. And I hope that there's more and more because I really do think that that's one of the keys to long-term health is for people to have the right relationship with the right person that can educate them when they're ready to learn, when they're ready to make a change. Yeah. And that's been one of my frustrations with our profession is it's, and I've talked to, you know, kind of traditional physical therapy clinics, even some cash-based ones where I was like, Hey, I can offer, I'm not, I don't want to take your patients. I want to offer more value. And this is something I go into CrossFits as well. And, and, and that kind of thing of saying, Hey, I can help your guys be healthier longer and not miss as much time. So they can, right. uh, you know, that's, that's the sales pitch, right? That's the outcome. That's the value we're bringing. And so it's still frustrating to me. There's still, I think a big scarcity mindset because there's, you know, mm-hmm. most physical therapists are not millionaires. Um, even if they have a really successful business, it's still a struggle. So there's there's definitely, again, this is where that utopian model you're talking about, that multidisciplinary approach um, is is awesome to see when it does exist and when it works well. But uh, again, I've gone into p- places and say, hey, like, let me just offer nutrition to your guy going through ACL rehab. Like, wouldn't it make sense for during that whatever 12-week phase of rehab that they actually eat better? And, and you don't just yeah. give them like a pamphlet and you have someone working with them. And if they're willing to pay whatever it is, $300 on top of that, like it's probably, they're probably getting more value than, than that. So that's been the, the sleazy car salesman spiel as, as Rob Wolf likes to say, but, yeah. um, and it's just, it's been weird as a profession. I think we, we, not just us as a profession, but, uh, that is something I want to, I want to ask you about, as you kind of alluded to what working with PT biz, right. You guys just had 200 clinicians representing at least 200 practices, uh, a weekend or two ago. Right. Um, yeah, last week. Yeah. And that's people who actually came out and, <laughs> and believe in this thing and, and, and are spending money to be there. And so, um, I guess, yeah. Do you think we're, we're at 1% of the Amer- American physical therapists that are kind of in this more, 
evolved model, we want to call it, uh, outside of insurance? Or, or yeah. w- would you estimate somewhere like that, 1%? Uh, so it's a great question because, you know, so we, you know, that the, the group that we had, that's, that's only people that we work with in, you know, on an annual basis within our mastermind. So, and so if we, if you think about it, right, that's, let's call it 200 businesses. Um, we're, there's no way that we work with, you know, anywhere near even, I don't even think we work with anywhere near 10% of active businesses are out there. Like that would be very, very hard to do, you know, as far right. as these cash and high, these cash and hybrid practices are concerned. So when I think about it in terms of how many people are probably actively doing this, for me, I think it's probably somewhere around like five to 6,000, um, you know, active clinicians that are in the U S that are, that are, uh, functioning in this model. But I would say two years ago, it was probably half that. Yeah. Um, and, and COVID really enhanced, uh, that need. Well, what COVID did was it forced a lot of people out of their job. Mm-hmm. So even temporarily, uh, and a lot of these folks um, were clinicians that had a little more experience. For what we saw, this is what happened. Um, a junior clinician, someone with one day of experience you know, under their belt gets reimbursed the same as somebody that is residency trained with an OCS that's got mm-hmm. seven years of experience and is a really uh, great clinician but they're more expensive to pay because right. they are, you know, they have more, they have more experience, but insurance doesn't care. Uh, they reimburse you the same, you know, and, and the only way they can become more valuable is if they can see far more volume mm-hmm. and they're just more efficient. Right. So when clinics got shut down and when, when people weren't going to physical therapy as much, who, who are you going to let go? Well, it's probably going to be the person that costs you the most money and doesn't make you more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happened. So we saw a lot of clinicians that were, you know, a handful of years out of school, they were more senior, they were getting paid more, they were the first ones to get let go. And talk about a real, real kick in the nuts, man. I mean, you spent your career trying to become a great clinician and you get let go because you cost more than somebody else because and insurance doesn't reimburse you anymore. So what happened was we saw this sort of like, exodus unintentionally of people that then they they had time and unemployment uh on their hands so they were getting some money but it wasn't uh equivalent to what they were making and they were like screw it maybe i'll try you know and they they basically set up little side hustles um and some of them worked out you know and we we had a chance to work with you know a handful of these people as well and you know to to date like i think that probably forced more people into this environment than basically anything else yeah yeah it's been a fun observation and being kind of part of that <laughs> wave i've been lucky enough or or kind of uh, to, to have been doing my own thing since at least 2010 yeah. um on some level and obviously i jumped into the the crossfit space and i opened a, a gym in dubai and uh all that fun stuff so i got to run around but like similar to um nate henry who we had on here yesterday uh who's i think he's had five at least five cities where he's Kind yeah. of run opened up his own thing and, and yeah. hung his shingle, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I've kind of done that at least in New York City, Dubai, and uh, Southern California for a little bit, and now here. Uh, so it's been it's been interesting learnings. Um, and yeah, there's and for anyone not familiar, there's plenty of mastermind groups uh, similar to yours uh, that I you know I can rattle off. I've actually joined two other two of them. Um, and looking back, I was always like talking to people i was like maybe i should have joined danny's um maybe <laughs> maybe i'd be a little further along and not to, to say anything negative about those guys but um yeah it's it, it just they, they all kind of are i think they're solving some solutions some problems that that are common yeah. um and it's just uh it felt like to me it, it was never solving my true issue which for, i honestly think i was you know they were telling me to do facebook ads or 
you know, have funnels and all this stuff, click funnels. And, and I, I get that all those systems work, but at the end of the day, like treating any patient, uh, if you're not addressing the root cause of what's going on, which for me, I think is I, I do too many things. Uh, <laughs> and like, I, I don't 100%. have a great, I don't have a great answer of like, I'm going to start, I'm just going to really dive in and call myself a health quarterback or whatever. And people still hear physical therapy. They still say, Oh, I have back pain. Do you take my insurance? The same kind of thing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to send you over to Danny for that. Um, a lot of yeah. times or like, yeah, I can do this for you, but the, like, I need a six month commitment. Um, and for most people that's, that's too much. Um, yeah. and, and it's a, it's a, it's a funny, scary thing. Um, but yeah, coming back to, to that. You want to dive in on that for a second? Because I actually Before. like, dude, I, I, uh, you're going to solve all my problems. No, not necessarily, <laughs> not, not necessarily, but I think what you, what you, this, this is something that we, we see a lot, right. Where mm -hmm. people are, um, you know, they, they get, they decide to get some help. And then what, what happens is they just sort of have the answer is what, whatever it is that worked for them. Right. right? Typically. And, but in actuality, there's so many different ways to get the solution that you're looking for. You just have to sort of pick the right thing for the person at the right time. Um, but that being said, ultimately it comes down to the person. It comes down to the owner, it comes down to the business owner of what, of what they want their business to look like. And if they're willing in a lot of ways to let go, right. And for you, like you're, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff. You're, you're very busy. Um, but in some ways that next step is not more, it's actually less, it's mm -hmm. like less, but of the things that other people cannot do. And then to be able to build systems that support people that can do things that you shouldn't be doing. And, and that's, that's actually a massive amount of work. And it's not just a massive amount of work on the business, but it's also a massive amount of work on ourselves. I had to go through this, right? Like uh, not micromanaging people with something so personal to you as your business, like being able to let somebody fuck up and you be okay with that. Like as they're learning, that's a really hard thing to do. And to be able to grow past yourself there, there's only two options within this business. You need people and space. That's it. Right? Unless you're going to run some sort of digital element. And even still, you're probably going to need virtual help. Uh, so, you know, that's it. And, and it's just a matter of deciding like what direction you want to go. So, you know, it's funny. I, we hear this kind of similar thing a lot. And it really, the key really is to realize and understand what work do you actually need to be doing mm -hmm. and whatever else is there you got to get other people involved in order to create time independence to allow you to work within this sort of like unique area where only you can do what you do really well. Um, and in your case, maybe it's, maybe it's content, you know, maybe it is patient care, maybe it's educating other clinicians, you know, you have this diverse understanding. So building more of these human body consultants for, you know, for where you're at and, and within the model that you're defining, right. Mm -hmm. And you need time to do that. And that's where people get really stuck is, is they get real time poor and then, and then it's like more time poor to build the teams in the system. So it's, it's hard to do. And most people will kind of push, push it off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that, that, yeah, you, you kind of captured it uh, right there for sure. And it's, it's tricky. Again, my, my goal is to have, you know, uh, $12,000 a year, one-on-one -on -one coaching offer. I think similar to the mastermind you guys are doing, right? I think it would kill it, man. I really do. I, I look, I know people that, that charge like that much to teach people how to do a fucking handstand. Right. Okay. Right. Like, yes, you could a hundred percent charge that. It's just a matter of defining who, who's your avatar, who's right. the person you kill it with. 
And then all your messaging goes to that person, right? And all your resources. And then you build this thing that is like, you know, more repeatable. Mm -hmm. And then the efficiency that you have with that is even better. So you want to look at blood panels. You want to talk about sleep. You want to do this. Like, dude, there's people who line up out your door if they knew about it. And you could really help them improve those areas. It's just a matter of getting in front of them. Yeah, 100%. And that's been the hard part of like, you know, I was really all in on like physical retirement specialists. And then, you know, not to throw my wife under the bus because she might, she's not going to listen to this. It's fine. Um, but she was like, retirement. No, you can't use retirement. That's a negative word. People are going to associate that with being old and this and that. And I was like, <laughs> but, but there's like more underneath that. And like, I think it feels authentic to me. And, and yeah, so, and not just her, but then going to talk to other business coaches and all that kind of stuff. It does uh, allude to that. So yeah, there's a lot there. And I do think to your point, um, or, or, uh, physical therapists in general are very generally altruistic and we want and and within our profession you can see this if you go on and we talk about it with uh dr nate yesterday of going on the the pt uh, the the twitterati or uh the facebook i forgot what his fun term for the facebook craziness is um but if you go on there everyone's just arguing and we're, we're one of the worst or best professions at like trying to tear down what we do for the sake of being like does this, like, how do we treat low back pain? McKenzie is not enough. Or like, you can't go wrong getting strong if you want to go that route. Like, so, and it's like, what does the evidence say? And we don't have enough evidence to say this is the only way. And a, a little bit along your lines, like there are many ways. Um, research is very flawed. Um, but we are, as a profession, just can't seem to come together and say, you know, where chiropractors have a pretty unique, streamlined message. So I think that's where, uh, big picture, they, they succeeded. Um, so, you know, and, and even, even one thing that I think, and I've heard this, uh, since I've been in the profession, uh, I was a student 2005 to 2008, I believe it was brought up by Marilyn Moffitt and, uh, uh, Shirley Sarman among other like celebrities in our space. Anyone who's a physical therapist probably knows those names all too well. Anyone outside of space might not know them, but, uh, talking about an annual physical screen that we are the musculoskeletal experts. And we were talking about this kind of, you know, within the military, you guys are the primary care musculoskeletal experts. Uh, why is someone who rolls their ankle, you know, one of my neighbors rolls their ankle, they're not going to come see me no matter how much education I, I right. give them. Uh, I mean, I got to eventually overcome that, but physical therapy is not thought of as I rolled my ankle or hurt my back. I need to go see a physical therapist. Like there's just five different layers. And there's been plenty of research studies that show this, that uh, unfortunately when, with low back pain and uh, evidence in motion, is a group, and uh, I know they, they. We I did a webinar with them relatively recently where uh, they talked about the fact that for low back pain, general population, I think it was like a thousand people get surveyed, and physical therapists were fifth in who who you know who to go see for low back pain. Fifth. Yeah. That's kind of it's kind of crazy. <laughs> well, even if if somebody even goes at all, right? I mean, I exactly. think that's the the thing that I always found interesting, and I think is just this area that we're, no one really talks about as much is how many people are out there that we can help that don't even know we can help them. Right. So, you know, it's, it is significantly bigger, way bigger than the people that know a, that they have pro a problem physically or whatever that we can help them with. It's a tiny, tiny fraction of the people that are out, out there that are actually dealing with things, dealing with things that are frankly stopping them from doing activities that they really love with the people that they love. So like they would want to get better. They would want to improve if they even knew that someone could help them and that like our profession was was, uh, you know, one of those professions that could actually help them. So I think it's more of a marketing problem. I agree yeah. with you. I, th I think we have done. Here's what we're really good at. OK, we are great at helping people 
get over musculoskeletal injuries and back to things they like to do. We're also great at talking shit about each other. We're great. <laughs> we're great at yelling at each other about what RCT says. My RCT says this and yours says this. And you don't know what you're talking about because my, you know, school of thought is this and yours is this. And, and all it is, it's, it's like, it's such a negative approach from such a nice group of people. That's what I never understood. It's like you go to a physical therapy conference and it's like the nicest people in the world. They're like, every one of them is like helping an old lady across the street. Yet when they start talking about these subtle nuances of cueing or like breathing and how to like the little things, they'll, they'll literally like yell at each other over these Mm -hmm. things. And I, I always found it so stupid and such a waste of time, you know, versus like being able to actually find just some common ground. We're all saying the same stuff right. for the most part, you know, and, and being able to work together to improve that. And that's one area for us as we work with the number of businesses that we do, that shit isn't fucking allowed. You can't right. do that in person because if you do, you ain't going to work with us anymore. Right. And it's one of the reasons why we have such a great culture of people that, that come together and no egos allowed because we want to actually be able to openly like help each other and not just tear each other down. And, and, and it's just sad to see that there's so much of that happens. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know why it's a big pissing contest within the profession, but it is. Yeah, unfortunately, 100%. And that's one of the reasons um, I pretty much stopped. One of the main reasons I stopped being involved with the American Physical Therapy Association, which is our uh, governing association for anyone yeah. out there listening, like uh, who's involved and wants to convince me to get back involved. And, you know, that's always the argument is, well, you can't make change if you're not involved. And it's like, okay, well, if I do try to be involved, I'm dealing, I'm like walking into this pissing contest and I have no interest in pissing. Like I'm just, <laughs> I just, don't, I don't have to pee. Um, go to the <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go pee over here. Uh, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. And, and again, I don't want to throw the APTA under the bus. I understand they have a job to do. Um, but yeah, if you can't unify again, all these, everyone is pretty genuinely like, like you said, willing to help an old lady across the street. Um, like, how do we not find some kind of common ground and be like, okay, cool. Like you can do your McKenzie, you can do your strengthening and deadlifts. Um, but you don't need to convince the, the deadlift guy to do the McKenzie stuff and you don't need to, and vice versa. Like you can't say this is the only way. Um, because again, the research is just incredibly difficult to, to say like, this is the only way. Um, and this gets 2% better outcomes than this in a population of a thousand people, like whatever it's, if anyone's familiar with research, it's a big pain in the butt. So yeah, I, I I think the other thing is people are going to, what people think is going to get them better is going to get them better than whatever your research says, like the actual buy-in, the, like the, the trust factor. And, you know, I mean, that, that's a huge part. I didn't actually even understand that until I was probably five Mm -hmm. years into the profession. And I was like, well, wait a second. Like if they actually trust me, then they're going to be more compliant. And right. and not to say that I could just do whatever, but whatever I did worked better right. when I had better outcome, better better buying for these people. But you know, to your point, the I had some conversations about the APTA just last week with mm-hmm. with our um you know with 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 our community, mm-hmm. and it's it is one of those things that's um I I have zero involvement with right. Mm-hmm. Just I I have many other things that I would rather spend time on. And I know that they do plenty as far as like lobbying for things and making sure that, you know, our practice, um, rights are, are as good as they can be. Right. Um, but you know, I, I think it's also, I think it's a, it's an old school culture. Uh-huh. It, I had this, um, I had this battalion commander that I got really frustrated one day when I was in the army because I was, I was trying, basically I had, I had all of this, uh, 
set up to bring in like strength coaches and an athletic trainer and equipment that I needed to be able to improve um, injury prevention at this brigade. And I was, you know, had all these numbers, how much money we're going to save in injuries, all this stuff. Right. And the decision maker was even in a patient of mine. And I thought in the bag, <laughs> I got this right. And the answer was no. And afterward, uh, this battalion commander calls me to his office. Now he's like, Hey, you know, we, we, we need to talk like, cause obviously I'm mad. Like I'm pretty angry about this because I'm just like, I don't understand. Like this, this is what we need to do. And he goes, look, Captain Matea, he goes, the army's a big ship. It turns really slowly. And what you're trying to do, we'll probably get there, but right now it's just not going to happen. And I just remember thinking like, I just don't want to be on this ship. Like this yeah. ship isn't where I want to be. It's not, it's not nimble. <laughs> I can't make change. And an APTA, I think is very similar. It's a very, yeah. you know, it's a, it's an old school system. It's a, it's a, a bigger established organization. They make change slower, you know, and there's benefits and there's, there's uh there's negatives to that. But I think, I think people like us can get frustrated with it because we just see opportunity in other things. And we maybe are a little bit of an outlier in comparison to the rest of the, pr the profession. But um, I wouldn't say that it's like, you know, something that I spend a lot of time on. I don't really look at our organization as like, man, they're killing it for us. Because if they did, <laughs> if they were, why, why would they not be promoting our profession for what they are as a whole. Why, right. why would they, why would they, I mean, I would love to see where the money goes. Like yeah. what, what do you spend money on and what's actually, what would actually help the profession if people better understood what we were doing and with some sort of education, you know, on, at a big scale, which would be really hard. So obviously I'm standing yeah. here in my basement coming up with solutions <laughs> that are very hard. So I, I, yeah. I, I, I fully understand, but, but I just, I, like I have more. seen those conversations on, on at least Twitter and people putting out like the salaries of the, you know, that those are all, um, Sure. whatever uh available to the public of, of you know where some of that money goes and one of the biggest things that honestly when i was like getting back and considering and having some of these conversations uh, i believe it was right before pandemic 2019 or so where uh they i don't know what it was i don't know how much it costs at the end of the day but they had an opportunity to put uh signs apta advertising in Times square probably the biggest advertising space in yeah. the world um and I'm, I'm sure you can guess what was up there on the signs. I'm what did sure it say? I, I have no idea. I don't remember exactly. No, but like, what would the image be uh, that the APTA would me, You know what I would do? I would do like some Apple style, like emotionally <laughs> yeah. driven marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would, I would have, you know, the, uh, in, in, in a video, the story of like, you know, I don't know, somebody that's like 50 that has a back injury and then they're like struggling through it and they, they are working on the right things. And then they like pick up their grandkid and mm -hmm. they cry or something like that. Like uh, if you did that and it was like, right. go see your physical therapist. Right. We would have more people that would come see us, but we don't. There was literally a great video like that. Uh, I don't even, I don't know. I don't even remember what they were advertising, but it was like a, a guy was in his like a seventies and he had to pick up his like grandson and he started like training. You see him in the garage, not quite Rocky style, but yeah, yeah picking yeah. up a kettlebell. Oh, and I've seen this. Yeah. 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 I forgot what it was for though. Um, I, don't I know think if you remember like that was a great, yeah, it definitely, movie. it definitely was like, oh my God, this is perfect. But yeah, it was not physical therapy, but no, for the Times Square one, it was literally photos of someone in parallel bars, again, rehabilitating and the physical therapist standing next to them guarding. Um, and yeah, again, it's, it's, it was frustrating for me. And again, that kind of opportunity and who is that for? Is the person walking by is like, oh yeah, next time I break my hip, like I'll, I'll check in with my, like you, we already have that market. 
We why got it. are we? Why? We got the hip. We got we got the hip replacement market, yeah. right? We got that locked down. I think you and I though we get frustrated because the people that we work with would never go to an environment like that. Right. Never. Right. They would. In fact, they would. If they showed up, they'd be like, "I'm out of here. This, this isn't in the right place for me." Right. And so you know, there's this there's this group of people that are like middle aged that are active that are actively looking to reinvest in their health because it's the first it's the first generation where like exercise is kind of normal you know like my my parents not so much right my dad exercised cuz he was in the army that's it like it wasn't like he grew up doing that and you know but but people that are between like 30 and 50 right now they absolutely like that's a part of their lifestyle in a lot of ways they know it's good for us they know we should be you know eating better like all many things and those people, there's a massive group of them that they just don't feel like a clinic like that fits them. They're not getting the type of information that they need. They're not getting the type of individualization that they need. And so where do they go, right? Like typically it's a, they find a trainer, they find a coach, they find somebody that's going to kind of fill that need. Whereas, you know, for us, we have this unique skill set to understand why are you in pain, how to get you out of pain, but then also how to get you to a point, at least for you and I, where you're focusing on improving and moving towards the goals that you want and to start to integrate with strength coaches, that then we can make these really great handoffs with and work symbiotically. I think that's the key, but a lot of people don't want to do that because they have their little territory and they're yeah. like, no, this is, these are my people. Like you stay away from my people. And then we start to get, you know, back into this sort of tribal uh, approach again. So I think there's a lot of issues with it, you know, and this is one of the reasons why for me, I just, I would prefer to focus on the people we can directly help and help them with their businesses. Because even last year, we look, we collect all the data on this, just the businesses we worked with within our mastermind, we had 45,000 new patients that came through our, our businesses last year yeah. that we worked with. Like that's 45,000 people that weren't going to a regular physical therapy practice. They just weren't, you know, so we're not taking any, anything from that. If anything, we're building it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just had um, your forward writer and former, I guess, boss Kelly Starrett and his, and his wife Juliet on, and I kind of posed that question to them of, you know, is there hope for this whole crazy fitness healthcare space? Because they're they're definitely leaders in the space, and and sure. uh, I kind of my my thought was like, we need a Jack Lane to step up. We need a like whoever Kelly could be that guy. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's definitely leading, leading uh, by example for sure. But there, I was actually a little surprised by their response. And it sounds like exactly what you're alluding to of the fact that th their response was, we need nodes. So like what they do in their neighborhood is they, you know, they'll get, Hey guys, we're doing this fitness thing. Uh, yeah. You know who we are. You trust us. Like, Join us for some squats and some push-ups and whatever, um, and some kettlebell swings and some deadlifts. So uh, the node concept is great. And again, I think that's what it's going to come down to. We call it like a grassroots approach, I think, is the other way to think of it. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think that's where, and I know you have some space, some time in the CrossFit space, obviously. Um, and, and that's where I, I, I love that grassroots growth that I saw when I joined uh, or found CrossFit in 2010. Um, and, and there definitely was that kind of like percolating. And to your point about physical therapists, again, there used to be in CrossFit. Uh, we called an asshole filter uh, because like, you know, back in the day, you didn't just show up and, and have kind of prima donnas um, like the gym, the, the CrossFit I joined was in New York City. Uh, it's called CrossFit Gotham. Uh, I think they moved up to Westchester at some point, but it was in the church of a basement. They only had class at five, six, seven a.m. Uh, if you got if you were there for the five a.m., which I had to be because I was working a normal like eight to six job or whatever, seeing 60 patients a day, um, <laughs> you know, I had to go and pull and, and whoever was there for the five a.m. had to go and pull the equipment out of the closet because it was in a basketball court. And yeah. we had to 
set up the pull-up bar and everything. So like that was the the grassroots fight club, whatever that was like gritty. And you're not going to have people who aren't good people participating in that. You're not going to have someone who's not lending a hand. So it definitely had that filter in there. So it's interesting to, to your point. And again, I went on a little bit of a, a ramble there, but yeah. Um, the other thing I'll steal from, from Kelly is it's up to us, you know? And again, I, I as much as we, we can talk about the APTA and what they're doing right or wrong. Um, I do think it, it's exactly what you're doing and, and, you know, uh, highlighting people like you, uh, hopefully I'm doing some of the right stuff too, and can, can push my, my, uh, concept out to the world. And, and really, again, uh, I've had chiropractors on here, acupuncturists, all that good stuff, trying to really bridge those gaps. And yeah, it's up to us is, is unfortunately, um, <laughs> the, the concept. I also had Rob Wolf on here and, and, uh, you know, a lot of people know him, uh, and, and uh, recently all these episodes within like last 10, 15 episodes. So I've, I've had a pretty good run happy. I hope you guys go back and check those out. Um, but yeah, Rob talked about, you know, moving to Montana, uh, and, and being like, you know, able to make some change in these smaller communities. Uh, but you got to show up and you got to, you got to communicate, but the more of a small community you have, I think the more power and impact you can have. And it's, it's worth the fight when it's your kids on the line um, and all that stuff. That's, that's the last question I want to leave you with. Cause I want to be respectful of your time. So I'm, I'm, I have a kid on the way, November 8th uh, due date. And uh, you have two, 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 two kiddos. So yeah. What, uh, what, what, what can you, what can you give me? I know we're all just trying our best, but what's your best fatherly advice? Uh, um, we got, we got a boy coming. So it's a good question, man. I mean, I think that um, it's, they don't come with like an instruction manual. <laughs> I mean, that's, it is, it is kind of crazy. They let you take these little people home yeah. and you just, yeah, you know, you kind of have to figure it out. But, um, you know, my kids are a little older. My kids are 10 and eight and my daughter actually turns nine this weekend. So uh, my son, yeah, my, my son will be 11 in December. He's a December birth, uh, as well. So, um, it's fun, fun time around Christmas, uh, for him in particular. But, uh, I would say, you know, the one thing that I, I feel like I have improved on that is, is kind of hard is your kids are individual, like unique people, right? And it's easy to want, like whatever your bias is of like what you're interested in and the things that you find important that it's, it's fine to teach your kids plenty of things that you wish someone else would have taught you. And that's great. But, um, I, I feel like oftentimes what we do is we want our kids to be into what we're into because we're into it and they, sometimes that works, <clears throat> but sometimes they're really into their own stuff. Right. And being able to take that same lens of like, well, instead of you just being really into what I'm into, what do you like? And I'm going to get really into that with you. Like I'm going to get really excited about that. And I'm going to, I'm going to, that's now going to be a hobby of mine. Right. A, a good example of that would be like my son, he loves like movies. He loves uh, videography and he's just, he wants to be like a director one day. Like wow. he's super into it. Right. And so for us now, we we spend a significant amount of time making like Lego stop motion movies together. <laughs> and, you know, these little scenes like we're going to recreate Die Hard with Legos for <laughs> for Christmas. And so awesome. but like that's not something that I was growing up doing. I just right. grew up playing sports, man. That's exactly. all I did. You know, what I mean, like that was my whole life. And for 
for me early on, like I definitely tried to, I was just like, you got to be like me. You got to play every sport. You got to be super into this, you know? And, and he's like, he likes being active, but he's right. not into it the same way I am. And as soon as, you know, we started to kind of listen, like, what are you into? You know, like my daughter loves to bake. I'll sit there and I make brownies with her or whatever. And it's awesome. She's so into it. And, you know, it's, it's just like understanding what they're into, what their unique, you know, interests and uh, personality is and being able to say, cool, like, I want to be a part of your life. I want to be into what you're into. And, and, and then, you know, we can have a compromise with some of the things we need to do to be healthy in general, just like physically, right. That's a huge part for us. But, um, uh, too often I, I just, I just see a lot of my friends and they're just kind of like, it's sad to see them kind of force their kids to do things because they think they should do those things versus well, what, what does, what do they like? And, and trying to like be a part of their interests as well. I just, I've found that very, very fun and it's helped my relationship with my kids a ton by meeting them at where they want to go. Not always just like, Hey, this is what you do. This is why. And, and not letting them be an individual person at the same time for whatever, forever it's worth. That's sort of, for me, a big, um, lesson that I've learned over the last few years that I feel like has just like, just helped me just be a better parent, honestly. And it's, it sounds very parallel to a little bit of the physical therapy piece we're talking about for our patients and our clients of like, yeah. we got to meet you where you're at and not force you to do deadlifts, <laughs> even though I think deadlifts will be the best thing for you, but you're so uh, right. Well, yeah. it's just, it's just communication, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and I don't know if you've had Brett Bartholomew on, but he's like, he's one of my buddies. He lives here and he, um, he wrote his shit. I'm going to throw his book. Uh, up. Right of here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, coaching. Coaching. I do have it um, up here somewhere. Yeah. But, but he's talking, <laughs> it's all communication stuff, right? It's all like, how do you communicate with another person and the nuances of that and understanding how to be a better listener, how to just be a better communicator on a number of le levels, whether that's verbal, nonverbal, you know, whether it's, um, you know, situations that you put yourself in, like how, how do you interact with people in a group where you don't know people in a group where you're one-on-one, -on -one, you know, in a group where you're a leader, a group where you're a follower, like there's different settings and you have to be socially fluid. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I feel like you can learn how to do that with kids pretty well if you're okay <laughs> with it, you know, and, it's just, and it, you can be an authoritarian. Like, you know, I grew up in a military family and it mm -hmm. was, this is what we do. Right. And then you don't say shit about it. Like, it's just that. So I, I appreciate discipline. I appreciate structure. Um, but I think there's also certain things that I probably would have had interest in that I never did because it just wasn't a part of, you know, anything that my parents wanted me to do. Right. Or, or whatever it might be. So anyway, like, I just think you're right. Like the communication style, everybody's individual and you have your kids and you know, from day one, man, it's crazy. Their personality is apparent day one. This whole idea right. of like nature versus nurture. I think there's something to be said for both. Like, the nature side, your kids' personalities are their personalities from the beginning. And you can screw them up. You can improve them, mm -hmm. but only by a certain amount. Like they're going to be what they are. And I feel like nature has a lot to do with it. And, and as you nurture them along the way, it can definitely help. But man, you can't change the hardwired personality of another human being. It's just the way they are. Yeah. And that's something I've, I've, uh, so I, I feel like I have a little bit of a head start if that's, if that's the right advice <laughs> of, of something I've been working on in my own personal growth, uh, spirituality practice, whatever we want to call it, of, yeah. uh, similar to it's up to us when it comes to kind of the profession and everything like that. Uh, the, the communication style is it's not about you. 
Uh, so yeah, being able to separate yourself and stay back and like, but I, but I like die hard or whatever yeah. like, and, and, and be like, you have to like die hard and like, Oh, you don't like die hard. Okay. Uh, but yeah. yeah, being able to say like, you know, and it's something within a lot of conflict. And again, I think there's tons of carryover to dealing with our patients and clients. And we all talk about, uh, motivational interviewing and, and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's, yeah, it's really coming down to uh, what's important for you and who's the people you jive with. And the same thing it sounds like with kids is, yeah, let them be, let them develop themselves. So I think that's a pretty good place to leave it on. I want to be respectful of your time. I got to go as well. Um, but if you want to close out any thoughts or tell people where they can find you. Uh, first of all, I appreciate the conversation. I mean, this is just like, uh, you know, dude, yeah, I'll, tell you, I'll do a little Nick Cage. Uh, yeah. Have you seen the new Nick Cage movie? I haven't seen it yet. It's oh on my, my list for sure. It's like the unbelievable weight of, yeah. Talent or something uh, like talent. that. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that on a flight and I laughed out loud <laughs> and the person next to me turned their movie off and turned that movie on. Uh, when they, when they say it. it's a great movie, but anyway, uh, I just appreciate the conversation. This is a, a, a bit of a, um, you know, a breath of fresh air for me in terms of, you know, normally I'm talking to people about, you know, scaling and hiring and all, all the stuff that I kind of am, am into a lot more right now. So it's, it's, it was, it's, it's nice to talk about the profession. It's nice to talk about some other things. And, um, you know, I just appreciate the opportunity and the invite, uh, you know, for, for me, like people are interested in learning more about what we're doing. Physicaltherapybiz.com is, is, um, you know, is, is the website where you can learn everything. You know, if you want to grab the book, yeah. So you can head to Amazon. The name of the book is fuck insurance. Um, we're, we are updating it. Like I said, uh, and the working title isn't, we're not, we're not quite there yet. We'll, we'll have it all done probably by the end of the year. And, um, you know, but yeah, it's a great book. If you're looking to start a cash practice and if, um, if you're on Instagram, I, I, I do, I, I'm on there occasionally. I I'm trying to be a little more active in, in engaging people, but it's just Danny Matei PT. Um, pretty easy to, to find. And if you reach out to me, I try to answer everybody. Awesome. Yeah. That's how we, that's how I booked you. You that is right. That's true. <laughs> I was like, Hey, you want to come on my podcast? Here we are. So yeah, no, appreciate you being on here. Uh, hope folks got at least 1% better. I know I did. I got a lot out of the book as well. I didn't, I didn't really acknowledge that. Um, yeah, it was an awesome book. I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure, uh, you, you're getting hit a little bit with the, the cuss word on there in terms of your algorithm, but I'll try to yeah. help out wherever I can in that regard. And, uh, yeah, guys, if you got something out of this, share it with somebody, uh, in the physical therapy space, a consumer might benefit from this. If someone was thinking about again, their next, next musculoskeletal injury, if they're an active person, all those different things I think can benefit from this conversation, hopefully. So, uh, yeah, share it out, leave a comment, rating review, help us grow, get more awesome guests like Danny. We'll love to have you back and some point uh and you can you can talk all your boring stuff too no <laughs> yeah uh, and good luck to your braves uh I, I do hope if they face the dodgers uh they uh the braves win that one and if you do we have a rematch of the 1996 world series you obviously know where i'll be uh right rooting but <laughs> uh for judge to hit you know 10 more homers there um he just as, as of recording this yes last night he, he tied roger maris 61 home runs so very historic, very, um, very fun year to watch. Dude, that guy might be the most impressive athlete that I've, that I've seen. Like he's built like a, he should be playing offensive tackle in the NFL. Like, or, 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 you know, rocking with LeBron James in the NBA. Exactly. You pick a yeah. sport, bro, whatever you want to do. <laughs> like, what do you want to be the best at? Yeah. It's amazing that he's as, uh, as athletic as he is crazy. Yeah. It's really, it's really, um, fun to watch. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll watch that down the line. And if anyone's bored by baseball, you can go, uh, Go do that. No, uh, yourself. Yeah. So anyway, we'll leave it off on that note. Um, and uh, thank you again, Danny, for being on. And guys, go check him out.